Welcome to Momentum Church. Good morning, everybody. Can I just start off? Yeah, yeah. Isn't that awesome? That's some fun stuff. Adorable little kiddos. Can I just start off by saying something I never thought I would say before? I never thought the word smoked turkey would make me want to be a woman. I, I just really never thought... <laughs> I never thought that, but, but man, I'm, I'd put a dress on if y'all let me come to Friendsgiving and, um, and um, have some of that barbecue or that smoked chicken from Brian Choke. Mm. How many want to see me in a dress? No. I do have the legs for it. <laughs> no. No. So, Man, well, happy fall, y'all. I love this time of year. Don't y'all love this? A little bit chillier. You know, I just think it's such a nice time and football and all that good stuff. And, and so with this Hail Mary series, this is our second week in the series. And we're going to jump in today kind of looking at, at this idea of catching or receiving that past, you know. And um, everyone in this room, every person, you've experienced moments in your life where you felt like your back was against the wall. All right, think bottom of the seventh, Swanson, right? Solaire on deck. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Woo, go Braves. No, but you don't know what's going to happen. You, you feel like you're, your back's up against the wall, and you don't know if you have enough energy to play this out, to be able to receive what you believe God is doing in your life, and you just wonder, you feel like you've exhausted all that energy, you feel like there's insurmountable challenges, and they're just too great, and maybe that's even left you in this room today feel like you don't even have hope that you're going to make it to the end zone. You don't even know if you have what it takes to go for the win. You don't know if you know if you have what it takes to receive victory. And I'm here, I know I'm not preaching to everybody today, but everybody in this room, at some time in your life, you have faced odds like that. Amen? You have faced challenges like that. And, and those that have faced it and have come through it, praise God. Give God a big praise. Amen? If you've, if you've come through some stuff. How many's come through some stuff? I, man, I said, how many's come through some stuff? Yeah. Woo, it feels good going through stuff. It doesn't feel good when you're in the middle of it, though. Right? How many, I'm just going to be honest, how many's going through some stuff right now? Raise your hands. You're going through some stuff right now. You're like, yes, I see the end zone, but I just don't know if I can get there. I don't know if I can catch this play. I don't know if I have what it takes to receive. I get that. But there is something deep down on the inside of you. Let me correct that. There is someone deep down on the inside of you telling you to go for it. There, there's someone, the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, telling you beyond the discouragement, you got this. Beyond the evidence, you got this. The doctor said one thing, and you know it brought you down. But beyond the evidence, I got this. Amen? I don't know what it is that you're going through, but beyond that thing, the Holy Spirit is resonating in your heart today saying, you've got this. And if you don't sense that yet, I'm praying by the end of this teaching, you will. Amen? Beyond the challenges that you're facing, just feel that in your, your spirit, deep down on the inside. You've got this. I've come here this morning to declare to you in the name of Jesus, it is your time. Amen? I'm here to tell you, stay on the field. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep running to the end zone. It is your time. Shout, it's my time. It's my time. Say it like you really mean it. It's my time. It's my time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have faith. 
because I believe it's your time to receive from the Lord. Man, there is nothing more exciting. I know going through life challenges, we hate that. But there is nothing more exciting than watching a football game when it's up against those kinds of odds. Isn't it fun? It really is. Just those, the, that tension that takes place in the arena or if you're watching on TV, the, the, there's nothing more exciting in the game of football than that long pass. We call it the Hail Mary pass because you're throwing it up going, Hail Mary, Jesus, help me, Jesus. Full of grace, blessed are you. know, you're, you're praying that reception through. Amen. Actually, if I heard the history on it right, I think it was Notre Dame that had one of the first Hail Mary passes. So that was very apropos, right? It's that one last clutch to victory that's taking place as the final clock rolls down. It's the back and forth of tension of a game that's culminating in this one moment. And you see the quarterback, he goes deep into the pocket. As he sets back in the pocket, that wide receiver moves down the field, dodging, juking, jiving. You could see me doing it, couldn't you? No. But he's making his way to the end zone. He's getting himself clear to receive that pass. And then there's that one moment when the ball is released. And it's in the air flying. And the ball's flying. And everybody, just a collective inhale. As you hope with the anticipation, I mean, literally, this ball flying, there's an anticipation of victory or defeat. It's an exciting moment as you're watching that ball game. The ball is in the air. The clock has run down. And all that is left is for the wide receiver to handle what has been sent his way. You catch that? That's all that's left is for the wide receiver to handle what has been sent his way. Today, I want to look at the subject of receiving. What does it take to receive from the Lord? Amen? How many want to receive from the Lord today? Yeah, I want to set you guys in position in the end zone to receive everything God has for you. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, over the next few minutes, would you stir our heart? Lord God, would you challenge us, encourage us? Spurn us on. Give us the principles we need that we don't miss one thing you're throwing. In Jesus' name, big shout of amen in the house. Come on. There are two parts to a Hail Mary pass. One part is the quarterback's responsibility. All right? It's getting set deep in the pocket. The other part is the wide receiver's responsibility, positioning himself to be able to receive the pass coming from the quarterback. And there's nothing more exciting than that. Some of the most exciting moments in, in football history are those long passes. Whether it's a Hail Mary pass or just a wrong, really long reception that ends up in a touchdown. If I say these names, and y'all know I'm not a big football or bit, really not a huge sports guy. Not that I don't like sports. I'm just with my ADD. I can't sit for three hours watching TV. You know, it's like I want to be on the field doing that, you know. And so I struggle. I, I watch a handful of games a year, and that's about it. Tonight, man, that's a game to watch. Christine's like, yes, Jesus. <laughs> the biggest Braves fan in the building right here. But there's some names I'll throw out here and you'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like those quarterback wide receiver combos. Tom Brady, right? Tom, I know it's hard to even get that word out of your mouth. I know. No, I'm teasing. Tom Brady and, and Rob Gronkowski, they connected for 102 102 receptions that led to touchdowns. Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison, 114 touchdowns. But where my mind goes back to being younger was watching Joe Montana and Jerry Rice. 
Nothing like it. A little bit later, Joe, it was Jerry Rice and Steve Young. I wasn't even a fan of the team, but I loved watching those guys play. And combined, Jerry Rice, he had a, a combined record. I'm trying to find it here. It was 100. It was a ton. 159 touchdown passes that took place between the time he caught for Montana and the time he caught for Steve Young. Literally, during the era of Montana Rice, it, they dominated the NFL. Watch these numbers. This is crazy. I always think like with baseball, like, like, like 300 is good, right? Like that, that's, not even, that's not even 50%. I mean, okay, watch this. The pair connected for 386 receptions, 6,700 yards, 67 touchdowns, and 77 games. That's crazy. That's what these guys did, amen? That's so cool. I love that. And those moments on the field, they've been captured. They've been replayed. They've been celebrated for years. But here's the thing about that. When it comes to us, I want to help us in this room put us in the end zone. I want to help us do what it takes to be able to receive from the Lord. I want to be able to help us today face the challenges that come so that we can catch what God is throwing. I want to help you discover today what it takes to come up with a win. So I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to get into God's Word. Go to Luke chapter 17. And on this morning, we're going to look at what does it take to receive from the Lord. Amen? If I said a real old school Pentecostal, I'd say to receive from the Lord. How many want to receive? Amen. Amen. Y'all are nervous. I love it. <laughs> oh, here, I'll take that. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, so Luke 17, we look at the story of Jesus' life, and he comes upon 10 lepers. And I want you to see in this story something that's going to help us see some steps, if you will, to position ourselves to receive from the Lord. It says, on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance, and they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When Jesus saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Some translations say your faith has made you whole. Go ahead and have your seats, everybody. As we look at this passage of scripture, imagine with me the story, 10 lepers, they come, their body is ravaged by this horrible disease of leprosy. This actually in that culture caused these people to be unclean, not just physically, but spiritually. They were looked at as unclean, unholy. They had to keep themselves at a distance from good folk, if you will. And so there's a lot against this, this, this group of 10. They were Samaritans and the Samaritans were people that the Assyrians in the north had intermingled with the northern tribes of Israel. And in that intermingling had created a race of people called the Samaritans who the Jewish people would look down upon for the fact that they had intermingled Judeo values with pagan values and had created this culture that was kind of like a bastardization of Judaism. And so they would look down upon them religiously. They would look down upon them culturally. This was a people, apart from their leprosy, that had lots of opposition that they were facing. It was a group of people with their leprosy that the opposition would seem insurmountable. 
that I'm ever going to have hope or help or health, it is impossible. It's at the furthest reaches of my, my, my hope, of my, my, my ability, at the furthest reaches of what I could ever expect to, to come to pass in my life. And in the middle of this, we see that they come to Jesus and they say, Master, have mercy on us. They know there's no other option. They know there's no other way. They've heard of this man, Jesus. They, they, they may have seen from a distance his works, and now they're hoping for their miracle. They're hoping that they'll receive something from him. And they come to him, and they ask for mercy. And Jesus, in verse 14, when he saw them, he said, Go and show yourself to the priest. Well, Jesus, I'll go. Go ahead and heal me. Do a work in me. Do something right now in me. And he says, no, go, go show yourself to the priest. Go, go show yourself to the priest. And so the first thing, if we're going to receive from the Lord, number one, we have got to trust our quarterback, right? You've got to trust God. You got to trust his go. When he says go and you're in the middle of I haven't received yet, but you know there's been a word from him, you don't back down from that word. Amen? You, you don't back down from what the path he has you on. You don't back down from the mandate of the Lord. You continue to move forward. You go. You've got to trust your quarterback. You've got to trust God. Often in the Bible, you'll see people who when they finally reach the end of their trying, they will finally look to Jesus. And what I love about it, multiple times in the New Testament, you'll see that when these people finally come to Jesus, he'll say to them, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. It's not the belief that they're going to get healed that's made them whole. I want you to catch that, all right? Belief isn't the focus of, their, of, their, of what's going to bring healing to them. Faith is. And it's faith in Jesus. Say relationship. Yeah, there was a woman in the scriptures who had an issue of blood. For 12 years, she believed, the Bible says, she believed that she'd be made well. And for 12 years, she would go to physician after physician, try every little thing she could. You know, it's like, I can imagine in that day and age, I don't know what they did. You know, it's like they're going to put leeches on her. I believe the leeches are going to make me whole. And the leeches didn't. I can imagine if it was today, she would find one of you women, and you'd do your voodoo magic, and you'd put your, your oils on her. I'm sorry, essential oils, of which my wife's a proponent, and um, it, I'm serious. I get a headache, I'm like, oh, my head's hurting. Psst. Peppermint oil, you know. I get in bed a few weeks ago, and I'm like, licorice? This, this is weird. Licorice? What's kind of sexy, but what, what is that? She says she says she has an upset stomach and she's got some oil that she rubbed on her belly. And I don't, what's the name of that oil? All, all the voodoo priestesses here. I see you. I see you. <laughs> but for her, whatever it was, oils or this treatment or that treatment, all those kinds of things. But they left her 12 years later. She still had an issue of blood. Finally, she comes to Jesus. And man, she reaches out and touches the hem of his garment. And if you know the story, she is made well. And he looks at her and says, your faith has made you whole. And you know what? I just want to throw this out first. If we're going to receive from the Lord, this isn't one of the points. Can't we just go to Jesus first? Come on, somebody. Isn't it like we try everything else? We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And then finally, I wonder what God says about this. I wonder what Jesus would think about that. I wonder what Jesus wants in this. Man, I just think, like, stop hunting. Let's just go right to Jesus because he's the one that will say your faith has made you whole. But in that, it came to a point when she realized there's no other options but this person. 
Jesus. There was no other options but to put her faith, not just belief, but to put her faith in Jesus, and her faith made her whole. So I'm not saying belief for a reason, right? It's not your belief. It's your faith in Jesus that makes a difference. Belief can be some points that you think about, and yes, I believe, but faith is relationship. Faith is trust. Faith is, I know who I'm speaking of. I know who I'm pursuing. I know who has told me to go. And I'm listening to the voice of my quarterback, if you will. I'm I'm heeding what has been asked of me. That's faith. It's not just belief. Even devils and demons, the Bible says, believe. Right? Can Can I throw this at you? Belief, when we're going through things, belief will make you chase crystals. Belief will make you trust in a horoscope. I wonder what this says. Well, I'm going to believe that. Right? Belief will make you go. You know, I'm a, this, can I get on a soapbox? Is that okay? As Christians, can we stop saying, I'm going to send good vibes your way? Can we just stop that? Is that all right? My friend's sick. And I'm just, I want to just work up all my new age and send good vibes. As if I have good vibes to send. But you know what I do have? I have the authority in Jesus to speak life and to speak death to the thing that needs cursed and hope to the things that need hope. Amen? And not just me, you do too. Because the Holy Ghost lives on the inside of you. And so, yeah, tell your friend, I am praying for you. Well, they're not believers, though. They'll, they'll freak them out, you know. Don't be weird. Just, I'm praying for you. What's, what sounds weirder? I'm praying for you. I'm sending good vibes your way. I'm sorry. Is that a soapbox? I will just tell you right now. If you're a Momentum Church person and I see you right, good vibes are coming your way. I'm going to revoke your, your membership. Can I do that? No, I can't do that. I, I can't do that. You'll just go to hell. No, I'm kidding. I'm teasing. If you're watching from home, I'm just joking. I kid. I tease because I love. That is not true. This will not happen, okay? Okay, I'm back off the pastor soapbox, but... <laughs> but when you're believing, just believing, you know, like I said, it'll make you chase things. Believing will make you chase your friend's opinion. Not what the word says. I want to receive. I want a better life. And so since I want a better life, I'll put my focus on my friend and just go off their opinion when I know their opinion's not what the quarterback is saying. But I don't care because I'm going to trust my friend. No, you're going to believe your friend. Put your trust in Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. That's the first thing. If you're going to receive, you've got to put your faith in the quarterback, if you will. You've got to trust your your quarterback. Amen? So it's not your belief, it's your faith in Jesus that makes a difference. That's what it is. But faith drives you. And what faith drives you to is a person. And the person is Jesus. And Jesus changes everything. When you, when you go forward in a relationship with Jesus, it positions you to receive all that God has for you. Jesus even said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. So everything God has for you is going to come through this relationship, not just from blind believing. It's going to come through a relationship with Jesus. Why? Because faith is rooted in trust. When it came to Joe Montana letting that ball fly to Jerry Rice, he trusted that Jerry was going to receive it. But more importantly, Jerry ran the pattern because he knew Joe Montana would hit him. He knew. He had confidence in the quarterback to get what he was throwing into his hands. 
So it's actually, when it comes to faith, it might feel like a long shot. But it wasn't. It's not a long shot. When those Hail Mary passes happen in the NFL, it's not a long shot. Those guys practice those set plays. They, 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 over and over and over, they're practicing the way of victory. They're practicing the way of success. They're practicing the way to catch that ball in the end zone under pressure. They're practicing those things. Amen? And so it's not an accident. They have prepared for that day. It looks like a long shot, but it's not. There's absolute trust between them. And when both parts do what they're going to do, they come up with victory. I'm, I'm going to say something because here's what's important about faith. It's about who is involved. Remember I said Montana and Rice. So it's about who is involved. And if the truth of the matter is you and Jesus are more than enough. I'm not saying you don't get friends' opinions and such. I'm just saying that you and what God, the quarterback, is telling you to do, this is how I want you to run, this is how I want you to live, more than enough. Amen? So I just want to say something about relationships and faith, how this goes. I'm going to say something, and when I do, you're going to be like, well, yeah, of course. All right? Are you ready for this? Before Amy, I dated a lot. So you're supposed to be like, oh, yeah, of course. Now, most of those dates, first dates. Not so many second or third. <laughs> it was one of those things where it's like, man, Ross will be a lot of fun. Wow, Ross never stops talking. I know it's hard to believe. But no, it's like, but when I started dating Amy, all everything started turning toward that relationship. She was everything. And I ended up going out to intern at a church in Pennsylvania. And during that year I was in PA, we had decided she really felt like she needed to date around because she had been, she was very young and hadn't dated a lot. So, you know, I was very holy. So I just kept myself for Jesus and I just focused on the Lord that year. And she dated around. No, I'm teasing. No, it's kind of true. But but three months into being out there, I just really was like, Lord, I just want to know, is she the one? Is she the one? And so I prayed, and I really felt from the Lord that she was the one. Within a week, I'd put a ring on layaway because I was starting to trust this relationship. I wasn't sure, but I really believed she was the one. Now, that ring was in layaway because I was a poor preacher. was in layaway for a year. And then when I got the ring out of layaway, guess where it went? Into the drawer. I just wasn't sure yet. I can tell you right now, there's not one person in this room that you asked your fiancé to be to marry you until you had the confidence that she or he was going to say yes. Amen? We just don't. We ask that question on the backside of relationship. We ask that question on the backside of knowing. We ask that question. We want to receive that answer, but we ask it on the backside of, of growing intimacy and understanding each other and, and relationship and all those things. It's the same way with the Lord. There's things we want to receive from him, but they're going to come on the backside of knowing him. Amen? So in other words, it's not that Bo's belief that releases them, it's the quality of the relationship that releases them into asking and receiving that proposal, that affirmative proposal, proposal of marriage. So I say the same thing to you. It's not your belief alone that saves you. It's your faith in Jesus, the one that never changes. That's what saves us. And the same way when it comes to everything else we want to receive from the Lord, it's not just our belief. No, it's our faith in Jesus, the one who is a redeemer. It's our faith in Jesus, the one who is a deliverer. It's our faith in Jesus, the one that is a comforter. It's our faith in Jesus, the one that is a, a healer. It's our focus in relationship. You know what's so beautiful about that? That if our focus is in relationship and we don't walk in healing for a long time, it's all right. Because my focus is in relationship. 
and so on. So I want to encourage you to stop believing in everything because Satan believes, but start moving in faith. And to move in faith means you have to move toward the object of faith, and that is Jesus. How do you move toward Jesus? How do you build that? You begin to trust your quarterback. To trust him, you got to know your quarterback. To know him, you got to listen to your quarterback. And so those small things that he's asking of you, you step out and do those things. And that creates a practice where you have a propensity now to be able to receive from the Lord and even greater things. Sometimes we don't receive the biggest things that we pray for, the biggest things that we're hoping for, because we haven't allowed ourselves to be trained to receive the smallest of things. Quarterback says something, and we excuse it. No, I'm going to run this pattern. I'm going to do this. I want to do this way. Does that make sense? All right? So that's the first thing. Number two, if you're going to position yourself to receive from the Lord, you have to trust. Number two, that's number one. Number two, you have to make yourself available. If you're going to receive from the Lord, make yourself available. In other words, it's your job to run the play. It's not your job to call the play. It's your job to make yourself available. Quarterback, he'll call the play. God will call the play, and you make yourself available. In Luke 17, verse 14, when Jesus saw them, he said, Go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Do you catch that? These are people, these lepers, they don't have their healing yet. But the word comes to them, go. But Jesus, heal us. And he said, go, go. They don't have the context like we do. That in their going, as they're going, their healing would manifest. All they have is the word from the quarterback. All they have is the word from Jesus calling the play. That's all they have. And Jesus says, go. And as they went, they received. As they went, they were cleansed. So that's why it's so important, first part of this section, run the pattern. You will never receive from God until you are moving. He said, go, and they begin to go, and that positioned them to receive their healing. But, but, But I believe. No, no, no. I understand that. But belief has action. Faith without works is dead. And so what is God telling you to do? You've got to have quick feet and determination to get to the end zone. You've got to have that sense that this is the pattern. I'm running this pattern. And as I'm running this pattern, you know what? I'll face opposition, but that's all right. I'm going to keep running this pattern. I'm going to make myself available following the pattern that God has given to me to follow. As you're going through that, guess what's going to happen? You're going to face opposition. So when you make yourself available, expect opposition. Deal with that opposition. In Luke 17, 15, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Just that alone was opposition enough to keep him from receiving from the Lord. Others would say not to walk up to that rabbi. As a leper, stay away from those that are clean. You cannot come into this this even within a few feet of these people who are clean. And so he had opposition. And I want to challenge you that all faith will be challenged. I want you to understand that. Anytime God has you on a pattern, it'll be challenged. Sometimes that challenge will be on the front side. It'll be like the defensive line. And it's faith to start will be challenged. How many has a hard time starting? Maybe you'll hear Pastor Ross say something, you'll hear somebody else say something, and you're like, I need to do that. But it's just hard to get that started. It's like on the defensive line, man. Just right off the gate, you're getting knocked down. Some people start. I know I'm a starter. I can start well. Sometimes I don't finish well. 
And so you start well, and then all of a sudden the opposition comes, and man, you got to deal with the defensive backs too. You got to be able to have faith to continue all the way to the end zone. What does that look like for you in your life? Sometimes the opposition, and this is mine, this is where I hit, sometimes the opposition you face is your own feet. The Bible says your feet are like clay, like humanity, and we struggle with our own humanity. And Maybe God spoke to you and said, it is time for you to get out of debt, and you heard the go from the quarterback to get out of debt. But next thing you know, as you're starting to try to make yourself available and run the pattern, you get in the mail that little thing, 0% interest, $10,000 limit. I can start over. I'll put everything on this. And, and, and next thing you know, you're at 10,000 living on that thing. Your own feet, your clay feet keeps you from it. Maybe for you, it's like, I know I'm in a dating relationship. I'm a single person. I'm dating. And I know what God wants for me. And I know this person, their heart's not where God wants their heart to be. And I know they have no desire to follow after God, but they're just so cute. And Jesus loves them, and because Jesus loves them, I'm going to love them, and, and I'll just love them into the kingdom. And, but you see red flag after red flag after red flag, and, and you're not equally yoked, and you know that, but you're making those decisions. Your feet are clay, and you're making those decisions because you want to receive that so bad. But listen, don't try to catch something God's not throwing. That happens so often in our lives. So there's opposition to your victory. Number three, you have to get your eyes on the ball. One of the last things that you see when these guys get ready to catch the ball, they're running, and they're kind of checking where that ball's at. I mean, the ball's already in motion. It blows my mind how that works. The ball's already in motion. They're juking and jiving. They're working to get around, but they keep their eye on the ball so they can catch this thing. They know exactly what's going on. In verse, seven, in verse 14 through 16, chapter 17, it says, as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at the feet of Jesus, giving him thanks. I love that. In other words, in the middle of this process that he was going through, he didn't lose focus in the middle of receiving all that God had for him. He didn't lose focus. His focus was still on the relationship. He didn't just get healed and go on. No, he's getting touched, and now he's coming back to God. That's a great time of year as we go into November with Thanksgiving to be mindful of that, that idea of going back to God in gratitude and in praise. He comes back to God. He's keeping his focus on the ball, not just on his healing, but on the one that gave him his healing. God gave you a word. Keep your focus on that word. Don't back down from that word. Even amongst the challenges, keep your focus on the word. And it's easy when you're going through things to lose focus. 16 years ago, over 16 now, we came to here to plant Momentum Church. And this week, it was kind of neat because there was just kind of a testament that we experienced this week that, yes, we had faced opposition through the years, but on a whole, we haven't got our eyes off the ball. And I'll tell you about it. Last week, we were invited to come for the Faith in Blue Banquet here in town. And what it is, it's churches that in town that support the community and our police officers in town. We all had a dinner together at Vincenzo's. And as we, by the way, oh my, have you, Vincenzo's, that was, that's incredible. I'll just give mad props to Chef Borgonia. Amazing heart. And um, that man has given 2,000 meals to this community in people in need during COVID. Isn't that awesome? 
And um, somebody's like, I'm showing up in my suit going, I'm in a person in need. No, no, literally, like that, I just, I'm so, so thankful for, that he's in our community. But we walk in there, and as we walked in, I hadn't even given it a thought till we walked in. As we walked in, I'm like, oh my gosh, Amy, this is amazing. This is the Serene Bean. I mean, we knew it was the Serene Bean. That's the coffee shop where we started church. It had been 16 years ago in the summer that we, we, we began to gather in that, that coffee shop, trying to have informational meetings. And it would have been so easy to get our eyes off the ball. God called us to start a faith community. Look at y'all, you're a part of that faith community. But 16 years ago, we had our first informational meeting, and nobody showed up. Next time, a couple weeks later, we have our second informational meeting. Nobody showed up. And well, Amy and Sharla, our wives, and our kids, they showed up. Third meeting, God is my witness, our wives didn't even show up. <laughs> Talk about having to keep your eyes on the ball. They said, if anybody comes, call. So, <laughs> faith. So, so we call. There, there's a mom and her kid here. You got to get here, you know. But that's how it started that, that year. And now we're back at the serene being, feeling the esteem of our leaders of the city, feeling the esteem of the police department as we've done so much with them. It, just, it was just amazing. As you, not just me, but as we have kept our eyes on, on the ball, right? Uh, when, when, when the thing was over, um, man, we just lingered. Just, I didn't want to leave because it just was so apropos to me, like we were in that space. Then last night, we're doing Kids Fest for the 17th time because we did Kids Fest the year, the October before we launched. So the 17th time we've helped with Kids Fest. And when it was all over, one of the men, one of the workers in the city, he walks up to me and does the typical thank you for your volunteers, you know, couldn't do it without you, that kind of a thing. And, and, uh, but then all of a sudden, I didn't see this coming, he grabs me and gives me the biggest bear hug because I love you, man. I know it may not mean a lot to you, but and this has been years of developing a relationship with this guy. Never saw that coming. What's neat about that connection, this spring I'll get to officiate he and his, his girl's marriage. You know? What's more important than that they're unchurched, and I'll get to do premarital counseling with them and pour the life of Christ into them for four to five weeks. Amen? But, but all that came, all the opposition, all the stuff we went through, little points like that, that all kind of culminated this week for me. I just thank you, Lord. And I'm not bragging on me because I'll tell you in a second. There was times it was dark in my heart as I was trying to position myself to receive from the Lord, for sure. But through the 16 years... Through challenges and such, we just kept our eyes on the ball. We just kept our eyes. God, you wanted a faith community here. You want a momentum church in Woodstock, Georgia. We're not going to back down, even amongst the discouragement. And then the final thing, so you're going to trust your quarterback. You're going to make yourself available. You're going to keep your eyes on the ball while you're running the pattern that God has called you to run. And then the final thing, number four, you've got to have soft hands. How many played football? Yeah, they teach you to have soft hands. Like, you don't catch a ball with firm, stiff hands. you you got to have soft hands. And to me, I just kind of picture that as having a soft heart before the Lord. In Luke 17, 17 through 18, then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? It presupposes that the other nine were Jewish lepers, and this Samaritan was, was the foreigner. 
And he's the one that comes back. He's the man that had a tender heart before the Lord. And because of that tenderness, I'm going to cover here in just a minute how much more God did in his life than just healing him of his leprosy. Amen? I'll cover that here in just a second. But there was a tenderness that positioned him to be able to receive. Galatians 6, 9 through 10 tells us, For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap flesh and corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Verse 9, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we'll reap if we don't give up. Another translation says, if you don't lose heart. I just want to challenge you, keep that heart soft before the Lord. There's going to be difficult days as you're waiting to receive from God. But stay pliable. Stay open to him. Keep your heart soft. And one of the best ways you can do that is through praise. Praise God in the middle of your situation. When you're doing that, it keeps your heart and hands soft, ready to receive from the Lord. And I'm just going to tell you, my feet are clay. Years ago, we went through so much stuff in the first five years of the plant. And I had grown bitter. And some of you were with us back then. I had grown bitter to where I really believe I couldn't receive from the Lord. Just, just, just too bitter. And for two months, I didn't pray. My prayer life was this. God, I don't trust you. And I don't talk to people I don't trust. So I'm not talking to you. Pretty junky prayer, huh? But that's literally how I prayed for two months. I'd start to, I'd, get, I'd even come to an altar in the office. I'd come up here, not here, it was at the old building, and I'd be at the altar. God, I just, I don't trust you. I'm frustrated. I'm, I feel let down. And it just kept getting darker and darker, you know. And this just show you how God works. I, wouldn't, I wasn't going to give up because I knew God called me. I, God, I know you've called me to this. I just don't trust you right now. I know what you have for us. I just don't understand you right now. I know the pattern that you've told me to run, and I know how you've said go. I know that what the quarterback is saying. Right now, I just don't trust you right now. My heart was growing hard and unable to receive. And you know what's so beautiful about the Lord? He's so patient with us. And he kept giving me opportunity after opportunity to see my heart become soft again, ready to receive. It got so bad, and some of you have heard this story, I won't belabor this story. It got so bad financially in the church during the Great Recession that 80% of what Amy and I ate for six months came out of dumpsters here in, in the area. Money was tight. They put food out. I ain't ashamed. I'll take that food. And so I'd go, and I'd get it and take it home. And, man, my first night out, I remember thinking, how in the world, God, has it gotten so dark? And I went to the dumpster bitter. I went to the dumpster, ang dumpster angry. I went to the dumpster frustrated. And all of a sudden, I come home with so much that it filled our whole table. Amy's like, where did you steal this at? It's like, no, I'm going to tell you where I got it, but you got to eat it. And I told her. And two nights later, I went out again and came home with more. And a couple nights later, next thing I know, guys, in the darkness of night, the joy of the Lord started getting in my heart. I started realizing there's blessing in the midst of this darkness. I started seeing it as opposition, but God, we're getting through this. And it got to be where I enjoy going out. I remember one night calling Amy and saying, baby, I'm hungry. I left the house that nine in that morning, and it's like almost 11 at night, and I hadn't been home yet, and I hadn't had anything to eat. And I'm like, baby, I'm hungry. Can I get a Coke or like some beef jerky or a Coke and a roller dog? Can I get something? And she goes, you can get a Coke 
or a roller dog, but you can't get both. Well, the money wasn't in the account. So I bought a Coke. And um, man, the next place I went was a CVS. And I slid that door open. And when I did, three, $400 worth of beef jerky and macadamia nuts. I mean, like high-end gourmet nuts. Brian, you probably got that for your Christmas present that year. I, I'm serious. <laughs> Uncle Ross loves me. Look at all this beef jerky. I know you all did. No, 100%. I know you all did. That, no. 100%. I'm, I'm serious. Keeping it real. <laughs> yeah, so it gets better. So we pull all that stuff out, and man, it's just like, God, thank you. Next thing you know, I'm in the dumpster one night, and there's a, a metal display. Ooh, I can scrap that. So I pull the metal display out, and I scrap the metal. I need to get my hands on more metal. So I create yourjunkman.com. Next thing you know, money starts flying in. Who knew? Suburbanites throw really good stuff away. I'm just being honest. So I'm scrap metal, and I'm selling stuff that I would get. I am throwing stuff away too, but man, it's becoming a little, serious little side business. Here's what's crazy. I get my hands on about a half a garage full of stuff that, that I thought, I'm going to take it over to the antique place. And I go over to the antique place, and I rent two booths outside for this weekend. And man, I sell everything. But that's not the miracle. I got to the dumpsters because of bitterness. But watch what God did to bring blessing because I kept my eyes on the call. I kept my eyes on the mandate, on the go. A guy comes up. I start talking to him. I invite him to church. He's an older gentleman. He starts coming to church the next week. Has come to this church ever since. Somebody connects with him and they start an auction house together. An auction house of all things. Years later, a guy starts coming to our church and he calls me. Pastor Ross, I don't know if you know this, but I'm partly Chinese. And my great-grandfather had a friend who was a famous artist. And I have a bunch of paintings and things, would you happen to know of an auctioneer that could help me get these appraised and get up for auction? You ready for this? Not only did I know an auctioneer, <laughs> they specialize in Euro European antiquities and Chinese artifacts. God is my witness. People in their auctions come from all over the world, Singapore, Montreal, all over the world to buy at their auction. That's what they focus on. We connect those two. Things go to auction in the beautiful auction book. That man picked, I think, six or seven items that under it, he wrote, proceeds go to the Momentum Church building fund. And to the tune of over six figures, you are sitting in a building that those funds help make the down payment on. Amen? You can clap. That's, a That's awesome. What I'm saying is, I didn't know the miracle that was coming. I, I didn't know the blessing that was coming when I was walking in bitterness and frustration. And God, why won't I receive? But I kept trying to trust the coach or the quarterback. And I struggled at times. And I didn't trust him perfect at times. But I kept trying to run the pattern. Didn't understand why we went through the Great Recession as we planted the church. Didn't understand a lot of that stuff. But we kept running the pattern. Kept keeping our eyes on the ball. And next thing you know, God brought the increase. Never would I have met that man. None of that connection would have happened had I not went to the dumpster the first night, a bitter and hurt preacher, wondering why our church isn't the size I thought our church would be. 
Well, that wasn't the go Jesus was giving. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. So don't think you've received all God wants for you when you get what you want either. That's just the beginning. What I love about this story is this man, he listened to the quarterback. Amen? He, he got himself available. He kept his eyes on the ball. He kept back in praise and worship to the Lord. And then God began to bless him. And watch this. I love this. Luke 17, 19. And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Well, hold on, Ross. I, I thought this man got healed already. I thought when this man went the first time on his way to get cleansed by the priest, he got his healing and the leprosy was healed. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So what is this? Nine guys walked away with healing for their leprosy. But one guy came back and didn't miss everything that God was throwing his way. One guy came back and he was made whole. Now, I, I, it doesn't say this here, but if a leprosy, a man has leprosy, in those days, often the nose would be gone, fingers would be gone, digits would be gone, ear would be gone. Guys, I don't know if this is what this is saying or not, but I do know the man was healed and now he's made whole. I wonder, could the miracle have been a complete miracle of restoration? I got my nose back. I got my fingers back. Everything the enemy tried to steal from me, I'm getting back. That's the promise God has for you, church. That's the promise. That's why it's so worth us not to believe so we can receive, but so we can focus on Jesus so that when we do receive, he restores everything back for his glory, for his benefit. And in my case, for the benefit of you all. We're here in this facility because of this principle. Amen? While we were going through it, I was fighting it the whole way. Man, hindsight is beautiful. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to receive what you've desired us to receive. And so right now, if you're here, man, I want you to put your faith in Jesus. If you're here and you have not a relationship with Jesus yet, and you would like to begin a relationship with Jesus, would you just hold your hand up for a second? I'll look for that hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to see. Amen. And now, secondly, if you're here this morning or you're watching online, and you're saying, Ross, there are some things I, I'm trying to receive from the Lord, and I'm feeling that opposition. I'm struggling. It's been time. There's been a due season. I haven't reaped yet, but it's going through that season. If that's you, can you hold your hand up? We're going to close in prayer. Yeah, there's hands everywhere. Let's just pray. Jesus, right now, you see our friends, God. As we position ourselves on the field to receive from you, I ask that you encourage them, touch them, and allow them to know that you will not let them miss one thing you're throwing their way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.